When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the online marketing made easy podcast episode number 89. Welcome to the online marketing made easy podcast business advice. So easy. You'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in. Now, today's episode is all about you and how to take the unique qualities you already possess and use them for the greater good inside your business. Now, you won't have to guess which qualities your audience will respond to most favorably because I've got an assessment to help you figure that out. Now, this assessment is really unique because most personality quizzes and assessments will tell you how you view the world. However, the assessment that I have for you today will tell you how other people view you. Pretty powerful, right? Now, before we get there, I want to tell you about our special guest today. My guest is Sally Hogshead. Yep, you got that right. That's her last name. Pretty amazing, right? Sally Hogshead is a world-class branding expert. Her quick rise to the top in the advertising industry was followed by numerous international awards for creative, copywriting, and branding work. Now, these days, she's parlayed her understanding of what works in the advertising world into a training that hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs use to measure how people perceive them through their communication. So she's the creator of Fascination Advantage Assessment, the world's first personality assessment that measures what makes someone most engaging to others. The science behind the assessment is based on Sally's decade of research with 250,000 initial participants, including dozens of Fortune 500 teams, hundreds of small businesses, and over a thousand C-level executives. Her book, Fascinate, Your Seven Triggers to Persuasion and Captivation, explains the irresistible influence of fascination in the world of business and thought leadership. By using Sally's unique formula and tools, you can now find out and capitalize on what makes you intensely valuable to others. Now, Sally's assessment is not free, but it is free to you if you act quickly. 
So what Sally did is she gave me 5,000 free assessments. So if you jump to it, you're going to be able to take this assessment and learn more about how the world sees you for free. So if you go to howtofascinate.com forward slash you, Y-O-U. So howtofascinate.com forward slash you and use the access code Amy, A-M-Y. You'll be able to take this assessment, get it for free, and then you can start capitalizing on it inside of your business. Now, a quick little fun fact, I've gotten to spend some quality time with Sally and her husband, who's just an amazing guy, when I went to Blackberry Farms for Michael Hyatt's special retreat. So there were a few of us, Jeff Walker and his lovely wife and Sally and her husband and Hobie, my husband got to go. And of course, Michael and his wife, Gail, and so many amazing people on Michael's team, including his lovely daughter, Megan. And so we were all there in Blackberry Farms, which is in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. My husband is obsessed with this place. He thinks it's the most gorgeous place he's ever been. He keeps talking about going back to it. But here we were with Sally and the others, and we got to really bond with each other. So I learned about her and her family and what she's all about. And this woman is so passionate about what she does. And she's like a walking encyclopedia of amazing facts about ourselves and our personalities and our value. It's so cool. And anytime you meet her in person, she'll want to talk about your assessment. Like she's extremely giving with her time and her energy and focus. A fascinating woman to say the least, pardon the pun. Didn't really mean that, but how perfect was that? So she's amazing. I absolutely adore her. And I think you're going to get immense value from this interview. So I won't keep you any longer. Okay, so there you have it. Let's go ahead and jump in to my extremely valuable interview with Sally Hogshead. Sally, thank you so very much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Amy, I'm excited to be here with you. It's so good to be able to to hear your voice again. Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned in the intro, we got to go to Blackberry Farm together. It was an amazing experience, but I got to see a different side of you. You know, I had read your book. I've known about you, but being with you in person is a whole different ball game for me. It was so much fun. And I thought I've got to bring her on the show because I want more people to get to know you and what you're all about. So again, thanks so much. Oh, I appreciate it, Amy. Let's get, let's uh, let, let's make sure that we give people all kinds of ways to learn how to be fascinating. Exactly. So that's where I want to start. I want to start with you explaining a little bit of how you even got into this world, because what you do is really unique. I don't know anybody else who knows the kind of information you know about people. So tell me how this came about. For the first half of my career, I worked with brands. My first client was Nike. One of my next clients was BMW. And I helped brands find the perfect words to describe themselves. And I learned a lot about how brands can position themselves as being more effective. For example, when the Mini Cooper came to the United States, I was part of the team that created that launch, the, can- the advertising campaign. One of the things that we saw was when a product positions itself as being for women, then it speaks very, very strongly to women, but it can sometimes be alienating to men. Mm -hmm. Whereas if a brand speaks to being for both genders, then people can be half-hearted about it. So it's it's really important to understand how you position yourself in the market, but nobody had really brought this idea of positioning and marketing and branding and extended it over to people. So about 10 years ago, I began studying how do we as individuals 
position ourselves most effectively so that people are attracted to us, so that we can grow our businesses, we can find those perfect words, just like the advertising campaigns that I did, for people to be able to understand who we are and how we add value. So much of what you do adds immense value to copywriting. And I know we're going to talk about language a lot today and the words to use and all that good stuff, but I just want to point out to everybody listening, think about your copywriting as you learn some of these new strategies we're going to teach you today, because it really does make a difference. So just a hint to, of what's to come. Okay. So when we talk about fascination, I want to know from you, what does that really mean? Because I read on your website, you were saying that in a competitive environment, the most fascinating option always wins. So what does fascination mean to you and why does it always win? Fascination is an intense focus. And when you're fascinated by a person or a brand, you're completely consumed in that moment. And you know what this feels like. This is that feeling that you have when you're working on a project and it feels like you're totally in the flow. You feel creative, you feel confident, you feel focused and energized by what you're doing. Or it's when you're you're out at, at, at drinks with a friend and the conversation is flowing and it's almost like the time flies by. You seem to be building epiphanies together in your conversation. It's also how you might think of your favorite brands, your favorite Starbucks drink, your favorite movie, your favorite book. When you are fascinated by something, your brain opens up almost like you're in love. And what's really cool is that when we look at the brain in a state of fascination, it lights up literally like you're in love. And so I talked to really? a couple of, yeah, I talked to some um, uh, radiologists about this and I said, describe for me what is going on in the brain when we're fascinated? And one of them described it as a form of infatuation. Hmm. You know that feeling of being infatuated that you want to connect with a person. You want to talk to them. You want to think about them. You want to be close to them. Yes. When you're infatuated by a brand, you'll drive across town to buy it or you'll pay more money for it or you want to talk about it. You want to wear it. You want to show it off. So neurologically, what's going on in your brain when you're fascinated is it, it's almost the same experience as falling in love. And if you can get your customers to fall in love with you or your clients or the person across the dinner table, if you can get them to feel that sense of openness and connection, they're going to be way more likely to listen to what you say and take action on what you say. Uh, so true. Now, I know already that some of my listeners are thinking, well, I'm screwed. I'm not really fascinating. <laughs> and right away, this is something I thought because I sometimes have some confidence issues and I'm thinking, ah, what's so fascinating about me? But then when I learned more from you, I learned that fascination is not something that you like, what, what were you said? You said you don't learn how to be fascinating. You unlearn boring. Is that yes. right? Is that, yeah, well, tell yeah. me more about that. Yeah, exactly, Amy. You don't learn how to be fascinating. You unlearn boring. You've already been fascinating your entire life. It's just a question of being able to identify exactly what makes you fascinating. I'll give you an example. There are certain products that we buy that we don't realize we're paying a lot more money for because we have an emotional connection to it. Here in the U.S., Morton Salt is huge. Most Americans buy Morton Salt. Yes. But chemically, it's the exact same salt as generic version. But but yet people pay 187% more for it, simply because they feel an emotional connection to the Morton's name and, and the logo. In a similar way, when we looked at high performers inside of companies like AT&T and GE and Cisco and, uh, and, and entrepreneurs, what we found is the high performers don't have a certain type of personality. 
the high performers specialize in one specific quality. So people who are good at details are really good at details when they're high performers. And they don't try to be the cheerleader. They don't try to be the big picture visionary. Instead, they double down on being exceptional in that specific way. Here's the, here's the reality. You are not perfect for everything, but you are extraordinary in certain ways. And when you can identify how other people see you at your best, it becomes really easy for them to see why they should hire you, why they should fall in love with you, why they should champion for you, promote you. And, um, and, and so in business, the key, especially if you're trying to grow a business online, is for you to have a, a very clear idea of the areas in which you know that you can confidently over-deliver and don't try to be exceptional at the rest. Oh, I love that. I'm always telling people you can't be everything to everyone. So you got to find out exactly, you know, where you want to focus. And it makes such a huge difference in your business. Now, what I love is that this podcast episode can be so geared toward how you're building your brand, what you're saying in your business, what you're selling, all that good stuff. And I really do think it starts with the assessment. So I talked about it a little bit in the intro, but I want to dive into what this assessment's all about. What can you learn about yourself? And then I know we're going to talk a little bit about mine and yours to kind of make it actionable. So before we get there, will you talk about this assessment? Um, I know that you have been so generous to offer a special code. Remember the code is Amy. So if you go to howtofascinate.com forward slash you, and you use the code Amy, the first 5,000 people will get to take this assessment for free, which is so very cool. And thank you very much for that. So hey, our pleasure. Yeah. So very cool. So tell me about this assessment. Why would people want to take it? What are they going to learn? Let's set it up first. Imagine if you had a magic mirror that could show you the qualities with in you that other people are most likely to admire and respect and appreciate. In the same way, imagine if you had a focus group of people in which you took all of your greatest champions, those people who have hired you again and again, or your best friend or your family members, and you asked them to describe what are the qualities that they, that they love about you and that make them want to work with you and, and be by your side. In the same way, I created an assessment that can measure how other people see you at your best. Have you ever done a, a traditional personality assessment, Amy, like Myers-Briggs? A long time ago, yeah. What yeah, do you think of, of those? I think there are a lot of great assessments, and I think it's really important for you to understand how you see the world. But a traditional assessment only tells you so much. Um, they're based on, the, a lot of these assessments are based on psychology. So they're showing you how you see the world, but they're not showing you the opposite, which is how the world sees you. Ah, oh, so and, good. Yeah, there's never been a way to measure that before. And so drawing upon branding, drawing upon my principles of working with, with world-class brands, what I found was you can measure how the world sees you. You can do it exactly the same way that we would do with a focus group in an advertising campaign and to pinpoint what are the qualities that make people um, most likely to value you in their life and in their work and in their career. So over the last decade, I've measured almost a million people and we've, we, we've looked at how do women fascinate differently than men? How do millennials fascinate differently than boomers? And what we've discovered is that there are specific traits that you have in how others see you. When you know those, when you can identify them and articulate them, it's a lot easier for you to show up confidently and authentically instead of trying to be all things to all people. Okay, so here's the deal. 
when you learn this information, so you get back like a great report that gives you all the information you need to know in order to understand what is fascinating about you. So when you get that back, the results, I'm guessing that this information that we're given, that's where we really want to focus. Meaning like we can forget about some of the other stuff and really focus on these special areas. Is that how I should approach it? Right. You know, you can't be exceptional with everybody. Clients don't hire you because you're balanced. Clients hire you because you're extraordinary in some way. But the question is, how are you naturally extraordinary? In other words, what are the qualities that you know that you can, where you can overpromise, that you can, that you can overdeliver consistently? When I, when, when I started creating this body of research, I found that we can, if we can find the perfect words to describe somebody, it becomes much easier for them to write their LinkedIn profile or write their marketing. So if I can, Amy, I'd love to describe what we learned from you when you took the assessment. Let's do it. Okay, cool. When you took the assessment measuring how the world sees you, what we found is, uh, was it was not a surprise to me because I know you and I know your <laughs> brand. The, the number one quality that people most associate with you is trust. So that means you have an advantage in the area of consistency, stability, reliability. You don't like to constantly reinvent the wheel and you don't necessarily want to be in a chaotic situation. So what people naturally feel as a, as a mode of connection with you is that you bring order and, um, and stability in your relationships. I love that. That's definitely how I see myself. And I know this is kind of how other people see me. So there's a match there. <laughs> now that's, so that's your primary advantage. And what that means is when you're going to be seen at your best, you're going to be using that mode of communication, the trust advantage. Um, your secondary advantage is named prestige. So that's your second highest mode of communication. Prestige is the language of excellence. You like to be able to see how you can raise the bar. You have very high standards for yourself. And when you combine the language of excellence with trust, then that comes together to form your archetype. Your archetype is named the diplomat. The diplomat is described with the following three words, level-headed, subtle, and capable. That mm -hmm. means that you are diplomatic in the way in which you communicate with other people. If, if I had bad news to deliver, Amy, I would want you to deliver it because you're going to be diplomatic <laughs> in how you're going to describe it. So l let's take a look at these three words. Can I, can I turn the tables just a little bit and ask you a couple of questions? Please, let's do it. How fun. Okay. Great. So let's take these three words, level-headed, subtle, and capable. Which would you say of those three words best describes how you are different and how you're most likely to excel. Uh, Level-headed, capable, and what was the other one? Subtle. Subtle. I think capable. Okay, I, I would agree with you. Capable has um, a competence. It means that people don't question your ability to deliver results or to, to meet expectations. Now, I'm going to go through an exercise with you that's named the Anthem Exercise. And in this exercise, we're going to take your adjective, which is capable, and then we're going to start to round it out with what you actually deliver. So I'm going to give you three nouns that describe what you do best. Okay. So you ready for your, you ready for your three adjectives? I'm ready. Okay. The first, I'm, I'm sorry, these, the, the three nouns I'm going to give you. The first one is communication. Okay. The second one is details. And the third one is energy. So communication, details, or energy. Which one describes what you do best? Details. Details, great. 
So if we take the adjective, which describes how the world sees you, and we combine that with the noun, which describes what you do best, then the combination is capable details. So Amy, let's imagine that you are, um, if you if you think about how you communicate in those, those situations when you want to play your A-game and you want to be seen at your best, maybe you're going into a meeting or you're giving a speech. If I said to you, Amy, go on stage and deliver capable details, how would that feel for you? Really good because I feel like it would allow me to do what I love to do, which is kind of break things down, the how-to, the steps that people have to take. And I feel most comfortable in that type of environment where I don't feel very comfortable when I have to do big picture kind of stuff because it feels a little bit elusive to me. So when you say capable details, I'm all over it. Right. So you feel you feel confident and certain that you can yes. over deliver if I said, hey, Amy, I really need your help. I'm working on this project and I'm just not exactly sure how to line this up. And, and it's um, it's feeling uncomfortable for me. Can you help me with capable details? Then you would probably be able to say, yes, Ali, I can totally help you with that. That's what I do best. Come to me for capable details. Yes. Yes. Now, I am not great with capable details. For me, that would feel I would feel very stressed if somebody said, Sally, go give a speech in which you focus on delivering capable details. It's not that I can't do it. It would just feel in the same way that you described that when something gets too abstract or too creative, it can it can feel elusive to you. Yes. So if somebody said to me, Sally, go on stage and deliver fascinating communication, then I would know that I could do this with energy. I could be fully committed. I could sink my teeth into it. So that's why my anthem is fascinating communication. The adjective that describes how I'm most able to add value is fascinating. And the uh, communication is what I do best. Now, if you and I were working on a project together, here's where it starts to get really cool. Imagine if I'm working on um, a project that's going to take a lot of big picture, creative, out-of-the-box thinking at the beginning, but then actually has to get executed like a launch or supporting somebody else in, in writing a book. I would be stronger and more fulfilled and more energized by that beginning creative stage, but then I would start to get lost and I would become confused or disoriented and I wouldn't really know exactly what the details should be and exactly how they should line up. But for you, I, would, I might be a good partner for you on something like that. Yes, I, mean? I totally see what you mean. And what's interesting is a few episodes back, I talked about um, that I have a partner and his name is Devin Duncan. And Devin and I are so very different and I need him to take this assessment because I don't know exactly what his stuff is, but I can guarantee it's different than mine. And I, I was going to ask you, like, if we want to put this assessment into action, what are some ways to do so? And partnership would be one of them looking for somebody because you're right. I couldn't do that big picture, creative, getting things started. I would really struggle with that. But if you got it started for me and said, okay, now you take it and run with it with the capable details, I'm all about it. So I love how actionable that is. Now, something that came up while you were explaining that to me was one thing that I think I definitely struggle with, but I know my audience does as well, is kind of getting down on ourselves sometimes like, oh, why didn't we do that right? Or I wish I was more like this, or the reason why my business is struggling is I can't do this or that. And I'm wondering when my audience gets this assessment and they start to really dive into it, does it allow you to have maybe a little bit more patience for yourself or allow you to give yourself a break in terms of, well, you weren't really supposed to be doing that or good in that area or anything like that? Yeah, that, that's a beautiful question. 
The reality is you don't have to change who you are. You have to become more of who you are. You don't have to change yourself to, to become another Amy or to try to be more detailed or to try to be more charismatic. In fact, if you try to do that, you're going to run out of energy, you're going to be demoralized, and you're ultimately going to become extremely discouraged in your business and your life. Instead, you need to become more of who you are and to actually do it on purpose. So when you understand the way in which other people see you at your best, it becomes much easier for you to build your business around that. And I'll, I'll give you an example with with um, how I've shaped my business around that. And then, and then let's turn it around and we'll talk about how you've used capable details. Okay. Details to me feel like getting in the weeds. And that's why I can work with spreadsheets and I can follow a very methodical plan. I can follow a script if I have to, but it sort of feels like I'm right-handed. And if somebody said, Sally, draw a picture with your left hand, I could do it, but it certainly wouldn't be my best. And I wouldn't be seen in the most positive light. So I work really hard to make sure that if I have to do a project that includes meticulous details, number one, I either need to have a, a partner or um, a coworker or an employee that can support me in that area. And that's why I tend to hire people who are really detail-oriented because I understand that that feels like quicksand to me. Another way that I could get around that is by, by making sure if I have to do something that's highly detail-oriented, that I need to set extra time aside because it's going to take a lot of emotional energy for me to do the details. It's not going to come effortlessly for me. And so I have got to set aside some time to really apply a lot of emotional and intellectual energy. It's, kind, it's going to be expensive on my resources, in other words. But the third option is for me to take details off the table and not even promise them in the first place. And that's that's kind of how I've built a lot of my business is I don't promise details, so therefore I don't have to be responsible for delivering them. And, um, and I, I know that sounds flip, but I'll give you a very tangible financial example. Okay. Sometimes when I go and I, I, when I work with clients or I give a speech, at the end, you know that feeling when you're in that happy bubble and you love you love the client, they love you, and there's this euphoria that happens, and you're like high-fiving, yeah, and it's so great. Yeah. And then, and then you go back home, and you've got to do the expense report. And then all of a sudden, it becomes about the back and forth where you're trying to explain why you had a Cinnabon in the airport. Or, <laughs> you know. And, and what I realized was that it was damaging my relationships for me to have to outline every single piece of minutia on the expense report, so I eliminated them. And now what we do is it's a flat fee up front, that if I'm going to travel, I'm not going to submit any type of expense. And so it allows me to focus on doing what I do best, which is building that relationship and creating out-of-the-box ideas with and for my clients. Now, for you, on the other hand, adding details and building details in the core of what you deliver is going to feel really good for you. It's going to be energizing like a wellspring. So if you are going to be writing, um, say, a, a, a course in helping people develop their social media, you want it to be really detailed. Right. And you want to have a lot of um, specificity in there. You want it to be meticulous. You want to demonstrate how to how to do that follow through because for a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't know how to do that. And that's the problem that you're helping people solve when they come to you as clients. But okay, so something you said really stuck out for me. And that is that when I know where I'm really strong and where my audience thinks I'm strong as well. And that's what I really want to hit home with. I know you mentioned it, but it's very unique. It's not just how we see ourselves, but how our audience is seeing us, how those around us in our environment are seeing us as well. And that's huge. And I want to talk about what that means in terms of languaging and copywriting. But before we get there, I did an episode literally just a few weeks back about building your dream team. 
who you want on your team, what that team would look like and all the details involved with that. But I'm thinking after taking an assessment like this, it will be really clear to you where there might be holes in your business, meaning where you're not really strong and will help you create that dream team. You would, you could use this for building your team, right? Yeah, no question. Here's the reality. I used to, my, my, I used to hire people who were like me because I felt a sense of chemistry with them. Yes, we do. So then I would have, you know, my primary advantage is passion and my secondary is innovation. What that means with when you put passion and innovation together, it means that I get a lot of energy from being around people. I love to brainstorm. I like to come up with new approaches, new ways of doing things, but I'm really not good at doing all those details that we just talked about. And so I would hire people who were like me and we had a great time, but nothing ever got done. <laughs> Yes. The, the invoices never went out. And what I finally realized was that the person who's going to be the perfect complement for you professionally might be the person that you're not necessarily clicking with initially in the interview, but they're delivering something that takes it off your shoulders that you don't have to deliver that. So now when I'm when I'm hiring, of course, I look at at, at a resume and I um, and I like to meet the person. But the, really, the most important thing for me is their fascination advantage. What is that competitive advantage that they have that I know that when I say to them, we have to execute, we have to implement what is going to be the process? Because I know I am not able to do that. So I need I need to surround myself with people who can. And that's really the key, especially if you're a small business is that every player on the team shouldn't replicate each other. They should optimize each other. And that diversity isn't just a concept that applies in the workplace. It applies in our communication styles. It applies in how everybody on your team has to be able to optimize each other and fill in the holes. Oh, so good. Now, some people listening are building a business and things just aren't clicking. They're not really jiving just yet. And it might be that they're in their first year and that first two years really is usually really tough. And I always say your business looks a whole lot different in the first two years than it does after that. But other people might have been in, in it for a while and they're just not necessarily loving the, the business that they created. And so one question I have for you is when you take the assessment and you learn your archetype, does do, do certain archetypes fit well into certain types of businesses? Like, is there a certain archetype that's perfect if you're an entrepreneur, but if you're this other archetype, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur or anything like that? The answer is that there, there, here's the one question that you need to be asking yourself when you want to grow your business. There's, there's one question that's more important than any other question okay, good. to grow your business. You ready? I'm ready. What is their problem for which you are the perfect solution? Let me explain what I mean by that. What is their problem for which you are the perfect solution? The, if the problem that you solve best, Amy, is that you deliver capable details, then how can you go find people who need capable details, people who, who are willing to pay a lot, who are willing to go out of their way to be able to work with you? If my anthem is fascinating communication, then I need to find people who need to understand how to fascinate their clients and customers. When you, when you take the assessment and it describes for you how the world sees you at your best, then it, it's easier for you to start attracting the people who most need what you have. I'll give you an example. I did a re piece of research in which I gave women two pairs of sunglasses that were exactly the same. One pair had a Chanel logo. <laughs> women, the women were willing to pay four times more for the pair of sunglasses with the Chanel logo, even though they were exactly the same. So the women who wanted those Chanel glasses really wanted those Chanel glasses. In the same way, 
the people who follow you really need capable details. And the more that you can begin to make sure that your audience understands, look, if you don't have capable details, bad stuff can happen. That's a problem. If you don't feel confident about yourself, if you don't know how to grow your business, then capable details are the perfect solution for that. So let's take this, let, let's take this even a little bit, a little bit deeper. If you were going to be writing about yourself in a social media profile, would it feel comfortable for you, Amy, to actually use the words capable or the word details? Yes, definitely. So if you're somebody who delivers capable details, could you maybe, um, as you're thinking, say your, your LinkedIn profile, which can be so intimidating to write, would it, would it feel natural and authentic for you to give some examples of capable details? Like here's the sort of details that you'll be able to learn from working with me. Yes. I mean, it would just flow from me. That's something that would come easy. Uh, yes. And the more, the more that you can deliver capable details, uh, the, the more that people will understand how you're different and the more that you become that very desirable option like the Chanel glasses. But let's say that you have a different type of personality. Let's say that the adjective that you get from taking the assessment is a word like motivating or ambitious or protective or analytical. Wh- whichever adjective comes back as being how the world sees you at your best, you can begin to use that language, not just from a copywriting perspective, but to position how you solve problems in a very specific way. And once people understand the problems that you solve, it's a lot easier for them to understand how and why they should work with you. Okay. So that's a great point in that I feel that when you read this assessment, you you do start to understand some of the language that you can use, but also you're saying you really understand how to position yourself. Yes. Now, most assessments have been created on psychology, and this one's based on the opposite, how the world sees you. There's another key difference, which is this assessment was built by a woman, and, and women tend to not like to be in situations in which they're directly competitive with each other. Um, I, was, I had a women's studies minor at Duke University, and there was this wonderful study that I remember vividly in which um, they, they, they took little girls and had them talk to each other, and the, girl, the little girls would pull their chairs up sitting opposite from each other, like sitting across the table from each other. But when they gave little boys the same question, saying, pull these chairs up and have a conversation, the boys sat parallel to each other facing the same direction. Women like to be able to, um, to understand their differences without feeling like they are exploiting their strengths. And that's where so much of the language that, that exists in us understanding how, um, how we can stand out and how we can differentiate our business, it can feel really uncomfortable for us as women because a lot of those words are about how we're better. So instead of focusing on how you are better, focus on how you are different. When, when a brand is different in the marketplace, that's when it can start to charge a lot more money and get, get advocates. So here's the key. Instead of focusing on your strengths, focus on your differences. Focus on how you're extraordinary. And what we've learned from, from you, Amy, is that capable details are going to be an area in which not only you're going to be uh, feeling energized and confident, but you're going to be able to truly be extraordinary. So you don't want to do business the way I do, but when you have that when you have that little zone of genius, then that's when people can come back to you over and over again because you're different. Uh, I absolutely love that. And I love what you said at the very beginning where you, you don't have to learn how to be fascinating. You just want to kind of learn how to be unboring. Did I say that right? <laughs> I might have mixed it up. How, what is the saying again? You, you, you don't learn how to be fascinating. 
you have to unlearn boring. That's like, it. You remember, <laughs> you know, when you're a little kid, I remember I, it, 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 it's, it's so, it, it's so great to look at pictures of yourself from when you were a little kid, because your personality was already very baked in to who you yes. are. And, and so a, lo- a lot of what happens is over time, we start to acquire layers of boring. We start to dumb ourselves down or we stand in the back. We don't want to expose ourselves. We don't want to speak up. And this especially happens for girls around the age of, of 10 or 12, in which they just begin to shut themselves down because they don't want to stand out. And then we go through college and we, we start um, um, start venturing on into our lives. And what ends up happening is that we forget that part of ourself that was most fascinating at the beginning. Um, I had a, I had a really humiliating example of this happen early in my childhood. My sister won three gold medals and a silver in the Olympics. And my brother graduated from Harvard. And I was was the youngest by many years. And I was so proud of my siblings, but I didn't know what my place in the family was yet. And uh, so I decided that I was going to do dance. (laughs) And um, and I, I really wasn't very good. And I remember my dance teacher saying, you know, you're not very good, Sally, but you have this certain spark. And so um, she gave me a solo in the dance recital. And I I was so psyched because I was going to be able to have my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister all there. And I was I was finally going to have my own my own light, my own area where I could shine. And so the music started and I went out um, and I took my place and I could hear my dance teacher saying from behind the curtain, just don't forget the steps. Oh, gosh. Yes. So immediately the steps went out of my head, all the choreography what uh, was gone in my mind was completely blank. And I just stood there frozen, not knowing what to do. And I, I could see my mom sitting in the audience, covering her mouth, feeling my pain in that moment. And the music stopped and the spotlight turned off and I just walked off. Oh, you're going to make and me I, cry. I literally <laughs> never took another dance lesson ever again in my entire life. Oh. And out of that situation, it's like I learned boring. I, I learned to not put myself out there. And, and, and it, even if you have never taken dance, even if you've, if you've never experienced exactly that same type of situation, we've all experienced it in which we feel humiliated because we didn't make the team or we didn't pass the test or we've been rejected, we've been turned down, we were, we were embarrassed in front, of, in front of the classroom. And the decision that we make in that moment is that we're not gonna be fascinating. And so the key for us, especially for women, is to be able to identify what are those qualities that we already have that are naturally extraordinary, that you don't have to learn. You don't have to learn how to be fascinating. You just have to unlearn boring. So part of my mission in doing this and part of the reason why um, we are, we're, we're developing a version of this to go into schools and to work in, in shelters with, with women and girls is when somebody tells you what you're already doing right it's much easier for you to build your life around that. You don't have to change who you are. You just have to become more of who you are. So the key here is to identify what are you already doing right? And then how can you do more of that? Oh, come on. You just wrap this up so perfectly with a perfect ending. Thank you so very much because that is exactly why I was so excited to bring you on the show today because I wanted people to focus more on what they're doing right. I know so many listening are so hard on themselves and they beat themselves up about this or that with their business and growing their business and what it should look like and comparing ourselves to others. This is your opportunity to focus on what you're already doing right and what people already love about you. And so thank you so much. And I want to remind everybody, 
go to howtofascinate.com forward slash you. And if you're the first 5,000 to take this assessment, you can use the code Amy, just A-M-Y, and you get the assessment and you'll learn all about your archetype and about all these different things that Sally's been talking about and really take it to heart, sit with it, read it, share it with your spouse or your friends or whoever you might want to share it with, because it's a really cool thing. I know Hobie and I have talked about it over and over again, and it's really fun. I had my whole team take it. So I know what they are. They know what I am. So don't be shy to share it with everybody and encourage them to take it as well. Sally, thank you so very much. This has truly been a treat. Amy, I appreciate it. I appreciate the work that you do. I have learned so much from you and your capable details. I love, I (laughs) I love watching the way that you create a message in the world that helps all of us uh, build our own message that matters. Thank you. That means the world to me. I cannot wait to see you hopefully again in person sooner than later. And, um, thanks again. Wonderful. Thanks, Amy. So there you have it. What'd you think? Pretty powerful, right? I can't wait for you to take the assessment and really find out how your own tribe views you based on your own communication. It's going to be extremely powerful as you apply it to your business, your copywriting, your branding, your connection through email marketing and through social media. All of that is going to be enhanced when you know what I call your superpowers, your your powers that make you fascinating. So I cannot wait for you to take the assessment howtofascinate.com forward slash you use the access code, Amy, the first 5,000, get it totally free. Thank you, Sally, so much for doing that. Now, once you take the assessment, what I want you to do is I want you to share it and use social media to share it as well. So in my show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 89, you can learn a little bit more about what to do once you've taken the assessment, how to share it, how to talk about it, all that good stuff. So I don't want you to miss out. That's a whole nother conversation that Sally and I didn't have, but she sent me some information about what to do after you take the assessment and how to share it in a way that's going to be valuable for you and your audience. So check out my show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 89. Okay. So thank you so very much for being here. I'm so glad you've tuned in. I can't wait to see you again next week. And remember, go take the assessment. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 